0: This is Paul from Daily Review.
1: And this is Mike from Pop Culture Review. And this is the Avenue 5 Podcast.
0: We are looking at episode four. Wait a minute, then who was on that ladder?
1: The story was by Armando Iannucci, Peter Fellows, and Ian Martin. Teleplay by Peter Fellows and Ian Martin. Directed by Natalie Bailey.
0: Now, I don't remember this line. Do you remember where the line came up?
1: It is uh, the name of the title. Comes up because I missed last week. I was determined to find it this week. It was when the captain was drinking down with the engineers. Okay. uh, Distracting them from venting the wetsuit. We cut back. He's like, you know, his coat is like undone. There are a couple of drinks in, obviously. And we catch that punchline to a joke kind of in media res. I see. Yeah. I see. That's when we get uh, some of Billy's laugh. That laugh that he wants to make a ringtone, uh, that she has the hee 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 laugh. So,
0: so yeah. the titles to this show seem to have nothing to do with anything ever.
1: No, no, and I mean this is a really long one. I was I was writing it out because I was right at the top of my notes, and I was like, "Good God, that's a really long title for an episode of television." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. and yeah, and means nothing. Like this episode should have been called, you know, the Turd Cloak. Or Mr. Wetsuit or Captain Wetsuit or something like
0: that. Exactly.
1: What did you think of this one, especially in light of the last couple episodes?
0: I didn't chuckle that much more with this one. And that's surprising because I usually enjoy a good poop joke. Sure. Like uh, fart humor and things like that are just at the, at the tops of things that can get me laughing at any point. I don't know, maybe it was just, I've, I've watched too much Star Trek or, or something, but, but the concept of using shit as a shield, it rang in my in my little brain like, why would that work? Right. <laughs> you know? So I know it's supposed to be a joke. Obviously, it's supposed to be a joke. Right. If, if you're in the middle of a radioactive situation, do not smear your own shit on yourself. You won't be helping yourself.
1: <laughs> well, if that's true... I definitely need to probably go see a doctor because I have made I may have done some very questionable things in the last week. But uh, I, I like this one more than last week. You know, That's probably it, fair. Yeah, it had it had less Karen. It had less me and Doug. Uh, it had more Frank and Matt. Which I really enjoyed. I think they're actually kind of like this weird odd couple. Like I feel like Matt is kind of grooming him. Not that that is a funny thing, but the way it is happening, it is kind of funny. Like he's trying to lure Frank away from Karen. I get the feeling, but uh, yeah, I I found myself. I thought the jokes were a little bit crisper. I think they came a little bit faster, uh, and I think they were a little more well spread out. (laughs) So I I like this one more. But I also fully admit when I was when I was thinking about this episode, it's also maybe a little bit of like a Stockholm syndrome. kind of the situation like I know I'm going to be watching all these episodes anyway so I think maybe a little bit might be like that is funny (laughs) (laughs) funny you know a little bit of that so yeah I don't know but yes I also like you I do like a good poop joke I tried not to think about the concept too much of it and really just kind of go into the idea of you know it allows you to say little things like you have to vent the wetsuit you know, we have a leak in the turd cloak. You know, it, it lets you say all those kinds of silly kind of lines.
0: There is that. And I agree that the aspects of the episode that I liked the most were that Karen was dialed way back. Yes. And yes. actually, the Doug and Mia stuff, There, were, I guess there were two main interactions with them. There was the uh, word cloud.
1: Which I found funny.
0: That was actually very hilarious. Um the concept of going to see a therapist and then having to face your words when you get back to where you live. I mean, wouldn't that be a form of, of reflection that. <laughs> that-
1: well, and, and that it's really all of Mia's words for her husband. Uh, I mean, there there was if you look at that word, but like the, the cuckold spelled wrong with made it onto the word, the <laughs> word, the word, uh, you know, beast of beast of yeast. You know, (laughs) there was a lot of stuff there that was, it was pretty funny, but I love that. I mean, this is the kind of payoff of Matt being their therapist when he is not a therapist. He's a customer service guy. This is the kind of thing that a customer service guy who is otherwise clueless. And also, I think we talked about this last week, just trying to really amuse himself more than anything else. This is exactly what someone like that would do. He would make a word cloud, you know,
0: in another setting with the right motivation, Matt might be a murderer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, oh, he
1: might be a murderer on this. I am not above him eventually taking people out. If it gave him a chuckle or if he thought it would make Frank happy and make Frank laugh a little bit. Yeah, Matt might definitely be. I mean, he remains, Zach Woods remains, I think, the bright shining star of the show. Yeah, even with my Stockholm syndrome, I don't think I'd be able to probably get through episodes entirely if he wasn't in it. So much heavy lifting that he does.
0: The funny should be spread around a little bit more, especially to someone like Josh Gad, who is a pretty funny guy, very talented guy. But maybe it's just with Judd. There's just not enough for him to work with because he was on screen a lot this week. He was. But he wasn't really any more funny than usual.
1: No, but I thought this episode overall did a better job of... And I think in particular in the CEO um, meetings, was there visual gags? I think the visual gags this week were actually pretty good. Stuff in the background, Uh stuff just up on the screen that maybe you couldn't necessarily capture, like an audio clip of it, but it just looked funny. The stuff in his Judd museum, in his suite, you know, like the The post that said... The Beatles heads, that one might be Mickey Dolan's uh, skull that he signed himself. (laughs) The post-it that said space travel that he was trying to make a really profound, you know, this is the thing that started it at all. This idea I had. And it wasn't even the original post-it that said space travel because he had threw the original one away. But uh, the one that I really liked and I think was the best gag of the show was the uh, Prometheus the God of Fire by Billy McFarland and autobiography which you know he, he he's proudly displaying it as an original edition uh, and he says you know it's before Billy McFarland goes off to become the director of the FBI. Now, this is fine because this is an actual book. Well, it's a book in process. Do you know, do you did you watch Fire Festival or any of the keep up on the Fire Festival stuff when it was all the rage I, last year?
0: I saw about half of the Netflix one.
1: The Netflix one, I think, was better than the Hulu one. Uh, I don't even know if I got all the way through the Hulu one. So Billy McFarlane was the guy who created Fire Festival. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, he's currently in jail because of the fraud like charges and everything else stemming from that. And he is currently writing long form a book that he has announced will be titled Prometheus Spelled Wrong or spelled this creative way, uh, The God of Fire with the F-Y-R-E. Uh, And and he's titling an autobiography. This is the finished product of something that he is doing longhand in jail right now and says he is going to self-publish it once it's finished.
0: Man, no one's going to want to read that.
1: I don't know if no (laughs) one will want to read it, but I think it would be probably comparable to the ramblings of someone gone mad in prison. Almost, maybe like a Harry Potter character stuck in Azkaban. If they were writing a book, I, I something tells me it's going to be along those lines. But I thought it was just funny that like this is like a real thing that's happening that the show picked up on, uh, and and kind of incorporated, uh, in, into the episode.
0: It'll yeah. appear in your local car wash sales bin, uh, alongside yes. books written by the president and O.J. Simpson.
1: i didn't do it but if i had done it this is how i would have done it
0: (laughs) exactly
1: in addition to the the prometheus god of fire uh by billy mcfarland there was another uh historical prediction uh in the show did you catch it about uh, richard branson and his ill fate
0: well died on on his island eaten by his own hogs or something like that
1: yes Yes, yeah, he because Jud, Judd frets not being liked, and he, he says he doesn't want to go down like Branson, fed to his own pigs on his own private island. You know, this is what motivates him to decide that he wants the passengers to really like him and stuff. What do you think about the – because it seems to be a recurring bit, kind of like the 26-second delay, the historical predictions. Have any of them – any of the episodes really kind of hit with you and made you laugh? Or uh, are they well, I caught the
0: Branson of- one because uh, if you could think of a way for Branson to go out – it wouldn't be that way, <laughs> right? right? It would be something like Lost at Sea because his world-traveling balloon or something, you know, went went down or something like that. But Right. But, uh, or
1: if he was going to – in a violent death, I think a Richard Branson death would be more likely a most dangerous game. Hunger game style, like human hunt, you know.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah, that's the kind of ending I think Richard Brandt, which maybe ends up with him being fed to pigs, but I think, I think, you know, another human maybe takes him down in like a, a game of survival, like a real survivalist kind of thing.
0: Much more romantic ideas than, um, than basically what was, isn't it the end of Hannibal that kind of works like that? The rich guy's fed to his own pigs.
1: Well, uh, the red dragon. Red Endless Dragon in, in, in yes. the book, anyway, in Red Dragon. I I can't remember if the movie, if that's how they play it out, also. But yeah, I think it's Red Dragon where they feed. Uh, he gets fed to his own his own hogs. God, the sound. Oof, that's the yeah. kind of sound that stays with you.
0: <laughs> that's one of the only movies I ever needed to excuse myself from the showing in order to preserve the dignity of not barfing in front of everyone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. I mean, some of. I mean, like the Hannibal movie where uh, he cuts the guy's head open at the dinner table and gives him a lobotomy. Yeah. While the Clarissa start. Yeah. Oof.
0: That Oof. that was when I yeah yeah that was rough yeah. business there.
1: There was a there was a long time ago where I took uh, I took my well his girlfriend at the time I took her to go see Angels and Demons, and sure. and uh, and it was also. Awesome. Thinking-
0: you're thinking Ron Howard. You're thinking uh...
1: right, 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 right. And it was a v- and yeah, you're thinking Tom Hanks. And it was a very graphic telling of the story. Like the sh- I think the movie opens with like the spread eagle, like bloodning on the floor and stuff. And then uh, I can't remember if this is the right time frame, but I remember I also took her to see Hannibal because you know I was a fan of the movies. I was a fan of Sounds of the Lambs. I was a fan of the books. And uh, after that, I remember very clearly being told I was no longer allowed to pick movies ever, ever, ever again. So <laughs> I, lost, I lost my ability to, go, to pick movies for the movie theater.
0: I'm afraid I've fed Caroline too many robots to be uh, in charge of of, of uh, taking her to the movies very often in the future. She's had all the robots and laser laser blasts and superheroes she can stand for a while. So I'm familiar with at least being on movie probation.
1: You, uh, you don't want to lose it. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Captain Ryan's disbelief uh, at uh, Still? I mean, he's in a real free fall about at what is real and what is not when this episode begins uh, after learning last week that the crew is all fake on the bridge. What, what, that, what was your take on that whole scene?
0: That actually was a step toward uh, actual drama that I kind of appreciated in this because uh, I've admitted to wanting it to be more funny. But that doesn't mean that I don't want it to add some drama. And so the idea that the captain would be having kind of this crisis where he's having to figure out who he really is, what he really wants to do about what he's going through and and what he's having to do versus what. You know, in terms of like being the actor versus the part of him that does actually legitimately seem to want to not just play the role but be the role, be the captain.
1: Yeah, I mean, when when he says when he say, he turns to Billy and he says he's like, maybe I should learn about this space stuff. You know, it's like a really earnest kind of almost desire that you know he seems to be kind of dawning on him that maybe yeah. maybe he could do this.
0: You know, right? It was kind of a, a graze into that into the depth of what that character. Should be going through, but it, I still appreciated the the effort, and yeah, I, I think that's a good step for his character.
1: One of my favorite parts is when he's leaving the bridge with Billy to go meet the real engineers, and uh, we learn that Mads' real name is not Mads; in fact, it's Colin. uh which That's is a placeholder name. <laughs> yes, yeah. If there ever was one, and then uh as he's leaving the bridge, Colin or well, Mads turns to him and says, "You know, fly safe, Captain." And he's like, "Fuck off, Colin!" It was really, really funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what did you think of? And he, so he has this desire, and uh, he ends up uh, finding a tutor in Zeke, the smartest kid on the ship. Who I I, I really like this kid. I hope he actually sticks
0: around. Oh, the uh, the smart kid.
1: Yeah, the little smart kid who we see first with uh, Spike Martin. Yeah, uh, you know, at the beginning of the episode.
0: As long as it's not too cute, not not like. Uh... You know, Jurassic Park or anything like that. He doesn't need to save the day for me, but ha- having him around is is kind of interesting because he is at least in the top three smartest people on the on the ship right now.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, and I like that they didn't play him like a like a cutie cute kid. You know, you know, he showed he shows some uh, street smarts when uh, Spike comes over asking where his mom is, and he tells her, you know, without missing a beat, he's like, "Oh, she's over there," and Spike goes off to hunt the the milf.
0: Well, he says, he then, says, your mom and the other moms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then uh, Zeke turns to Ryan and says, she's not over there. She's over there, pointing in the other direction. Like, that really impresses Ryan. He's like, "That that's pretty smooth. I, I like that. I like the Zeke. I actually like their interaction. And he learned something. You know, he learned a little bit about the valve that he can't still call the right name. And he learned about the wetsuit and the turd shield. So uh, the turd cloak. So we did get a break from Karen. We only had her really in the one scene this week in the uh, CEO greeting. Mm -hmm. And I liked it because kind of like the and Doug in the smaller context, I found her funnier. You know, the one time we see her, she's talking them about how there's a divide between the staff and the passengers. And then the one passenger tries to come over and she kicks her out as not being part of that group. And like, not, (laughs) you know, that's that's the dosage of Karen that I can really take. But this week we really got a lot of Frank. What did? what do you think of our deep dive into Frank and his changing nature?
0: Such as what?
1: Just you know, I, you know they they seem to focus a lot on him about reinventing himself when he reveals that he wants to maybe do a necklace, you know, oh, with right. a donkey dick
0: with or something the, like that. the leather then, strap necklace and all yeah.
1: that. Yeah, he says not a jewelry piece, something with a leather
0: strap. You know, it's funny while it's on screen, actually, but I mean as a character, he. I don't know, it kind of feels childlike. So Very
1: simple. Very, very simple. <laughs> yes. Which they had kind of pointed to in previous episodes, but this one where I think they put the spotlight more on him, they really didn't shy away from that. He really is still like a very simple person. It's odd. But I found his interactions with Matt pretty funny, though. I liked a lot of their uh, back and forth.
0: Do you have any clips for that?
1: Uh, I do. I actually, I have, a, I have a couple about when uh, him and Matt are talking about the different kinds of Franks uh, that he might be uh, here.
0: You could be any Frank you want. Go for it, Frank. Right? Great. You could be punk rock Frank. <laughs> huh? You could be Christian scientist Frank. Occasionally gay Frank. Maybe. Slightly racist Frank. Frank the Fiend. You could be whatever the fuck you want. Okay? Yes. You want another Jub Martini? What was that? Do you want another Jub Martini? Yes, 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 hell yes. Yes, Yes, you do. Livia, can we get another martini for the man?
1: No, all of this time, please. Make it dirty. Uh, What did you think of, uh, I think this was pretty obvious, but, you know, for this show, it was interesting storytelling. They give us the uh, make a point of Billy writing on her hand to vent the wetsuit, the vent the turd shield. Right, at the beginning. Uh, yeah, it's almost like Chekhov's vented turd shield. Uh, were, were you terribly surprised how the episode ended? Then
0: uh, no, no. The idea that the that the uh, turd shield would would rupture, you could kind of really see that coming. Now, the idea that it would end on this cliffhanger of Ryan needing to go and fix it himself, I guess that's semi foreseeable in the tradition of Star Trek or whatever, where the captain always seems to need to fix everything, but you know he's completely unqualified. He has really no idea what to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next episode picks up and we don't even see him do it. He just is like coming back in. Is like, boy, that was some turd shield repair.
1: (laughs) I see. I I took it differently. I I thought this ended very much the way the pilot ended, where he's about to address the crowd. And he's like, well, you know, maybe we've got an idea. And then the episode ends and it picked up the next week. I think. I think they made such a big deal of Billy telling him, almost pleading with him. It was almost like a alternate ending to Titanic. She's pleading with him to find her on the comms, and she can walk him through it. I feel like there was so much build up there, and the way they ended it kind of with him looking terrified out into space. I feel like they have to show it. That would be a huge disappointment if they don't show him rising to the occasion.
0: And this show has never been about disappointing us.
1: Well, that's very true. <laughs> and very predictable writing and storytelling and clear clear narratives always. So, I'm sure I'm sure we will not be disappointed.
0: Well, he was looking for a kind of shot in the credibility arm, right? Saving the ship, that would do it. Cuz this is a legit if they don't fix this within the science of the show, They're all going to die a a slow, cancerous death, right? So his character would then all of a sudden develop some cloud, maybe not for having leadership exactly with the people that know whether or not he's a leader, but at least that he's willing to put his his life uh, on the line out there.
1: Right. I mean, Judd even says to him, uh, that he's, you know, really impressed with what he's doing here, and he's he's confident in him. But if not, he'll he's going to name a sports center or a artificial ski slope after him, you know. So there that are real funny. stakes on there are real stakes on the line here for him, and it's probably pretty much all upside, right? If he can't fix it, well, they're all dead anyway. And if he does fix it, I think you're right. I think this gives him some credibility, but like like earned credibility. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah,
0: He still has that Avenue 3 thing, which he brought up himself this time to try to get someone off his (laughs) back. Wasn't it the kid? He was trying to uh, impress with the uh, Avenue 3, uh, I saved that ship or whatever, that story.
1: Yep. Uh, Right. When someone comes over, I think Spike comes over to ask a question. And they're having a – I think it's him and Zeke are having a conversation about – how he kind of really doesn't know anything. And the exchange for Zeke Zeke the kid teaching him was that he would give him pens, I think, um, or pencils. Some kind of like really cheap cruise gift uh, in exchange for like kind of teaching him how to be a captain and run the ship. So when Spike comes over, he like switches conversations and he says, uh, and that's how I saved Avenue
0: 3. Ah, there you go. That's right. That's right. If there's if there was a kid though that would know whether or not that was bullshit, it might be that kid.
1: Oh no, for sure. I I think I think in addition to Billy, I feel like Zeke might be the most qualified person on that ship right now, who may know what actually everything is and does. Because even the engineers, yes, they all seem very smart and and a bit condescending. You know, they, they're the ones who drop the ball. They get distracted by the captain coming and drinking down with them because they they're talking to each other about how they they have to vent the shield in 5 minutes. Yeah. And then and then Billy and uh, Ryan enter and that all goes to hell because they start to drink and stuff and that's how it never happens. That's how the job gets distracted and never done.
0: Did you ever read uh The Shining? <sighs> A long time ago,
1: like probably 15 years ago.
0: Do you remember how it ends? Yeah. In the intervening years between 1970 and Avenue 5, we still haven't figured out the equivalent of Venting the boiler <laughs> <That's really laughs> with, with some sort of automated process.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, it it especially on a ship that relies so heavily on automation, you would think this would be something that happens whether or not there's a crew member watching over it. Yeah. Uh, especially when you have uh, two crews. I mean, you, you literally have two redundant crews on this. You have the real crew and the fake crew and shit still not getting done. Uh, Do and you? I use shit there as a pun.
0: Good, good, good stuff. Do you suppose (laughs) that when a ship is built, I assume a a ship like this is built in orbit or in a space dock or something like that, do they have to preload it with shit? Like they have to, you know, truck in or whatever the space truck in tons of shit to run through the the system? Or do you think they just kind of naturally accrue the shit as the cruise ship uh, is in the course of its function?
1: I think they probably have to do a, a basic liner of shit. Mm. Um, probably some kind of uh, harvested, harvested like shit compost, because when the ship is first going, I imagine radiation is a concern pretty early on, and there probably has to be some natural onboard regeneration time for it to build up. Even with five thousand people, it probably takes a little bit of time for it to fully build up from those passengers. So they probably have to seed. The ship with a little basic shit lining, I would imagine. <laughs>
0: that's that's a good theory. That's quality thinking.
1: Yeah, I may have thought about this episode probably more than it deserved. But uh, uh, I, there was a great airplane style homage in this episode that I really appreciated. Again, this the visual stuff that you wouldn't necessarily – it didn't really matter so much what they were saying on screen. But the visual uh, art of it all is when uh, the uh, some of the headlines on the news like fecal leak on A5 – and then all of the newspaper, like, report, all the all the newscasters in their different languages are talking about the shit leak. Yes. Um, and, like, the screens are popping up and the one guy in Italian, though I couldn't translate it all, was basically just saying shit over and over and over again. <laughs> it was almost like that, that scene in Airplane when the news breaks of the disaster and, uh, you know, there's the people and then there's the guy playing the drums, kind of like the uh, – Kind of, he's, I mean, he's kind of depicted like an African or like an Aborigine tribesman and he's playing the drums and then he turns to the other camera and he continues playing the drums, but he never says anything. Oh, that right, like right. whole that whole that whole new right, scene right, reminded right. me of the whole new scene from uh, Airplane. I thought it was a nice little homage.
0: They bring so, him, don't they, don't they bring him like different drums or something? Yeah,
1: that's right. I think that's exactly what they do. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, going from camera one to camera two, but still not saying anything. I always found it really funny. But yeah, so the news definitely is covering it. You know, some of the headlines were fecal leak on A5. There is the hero of Avenue 3 to save Avenue 5. Five-star tube of death. At this rate, they'll all be dead by Christmas, says the Pope.
0: Whoever's in charge of the the, whatever those are called, the background graphics and such, they might be the funniest joke writers on the show.
1: Uh, Yes, the sight gags, that that kind of stuff is great. Uh, There was another great Matt one. You know how uh, we've we've seen how they are always pimping out their dining room, yes. like certain food or whatever, when I think at the very top of the episode, the camera pans by a hologram of Matt asking, uh, do you love to drink? I know my dad did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like it's just really funny, you know. So all that stuff, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm here for and like I really enjoy which I don't know if it's enough to want to sustain me over again another twenty-eight episode. I feel like if this show was a twenty-one episode minute episode, I think again, like we discussed this last week, being a shorter episode and not replacing it with anything, I think would make this show a better
0: show. You know, this this is so not an HBO show, except for how much it looks like it costs. I wonder if you could get away with a lot of the same concept, but in like a fifteen-minute, like a web delivery type type show. Boy.
1: You know what it reminds me of? It very much reminds me of uh, a TBS original kind of comedy. It has a, has a really strong like vibe, like the kind of stuff that TBS puts out. Yeah. Which is, which is I don't even know what I really mean by that, but th- I feel like there is a a workplace comedy sensibility, which it's like somewhere between high production values of like a cabler, like an HBO, and like broadcast TV, like multi-camera sitcom show. Yeah. Like kind of vibe to it. Where it relies a lot of like setup, 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 payoff, you know that kind of like joke delivery. Yeah, that you know hits or doesn't hit. Yeah, it it definitely doesn't feel like an HBO show, and it's definitely probably a little too long every episode.
0: There was I detected some more British style humor, uh, particularly I found it when they were sorting out the fake bridge crew, and he's finding out that they're not even using their real names; they're using the character names. Sure, Colin. Placeholder name, right? Right. The exchange with Sarah, if it was maybe a little faster paced and he was using his British voice the entire time, it would sound – it would have sounded like something from a BBC show, just the – you know, but what does – what does Sarah think of, you know, you being a fake? And he's like, Sarah, you or Sarah, the character? And he goes, it's <laughs> just, just kind of yeah. back and forth of that sort of style wit. And by, and she ends up saying that she needs to take a note that her character is okay with, or whatever the, the note was. Uh,
1: Oh, and then there was the funny, like, you're taking a note on the note. Yes. You know, so it was good. There was a lot of Sarah's stuff. Let's talk about Sarah, because she's quickly becoming, uh, even more so than Fuck Off Colin, Uh, she's quickly becoming, like, the head of the bridge crew as far as screen time goes. She oddly stands up and gives that impassioned speech about- uh, The captain having saved
0: her on the mining uh, colony or whatever it was.
1: Right, and then you say he loves his uniform, but he loves danger more it's just kind of it was kind of like a weird like a weird thing the way she stood up it, i i couldn't tell if she was really buying into it or if she was just trying to set him up so he would maybe go die out in space i could not tell what her motivations were there
0: oh i i read that as in the moment the captain was losing his credibility and losing his ability to lead or whatever so She did what she could to try to get everybody to see that he was a quality guy, even though it was a complete fiction.
1: That's the kind of uh, leadership in, you know, like, uh, you know, Ryan's whole thing here is that I'm not captain, but, you know, I can engender leadership. And it seems like maybe he is. I think
0: so. I think that's the. the Are we
1: turning this scrappy crew of fake act of fake uh, bridge people and like actors into like uh, a real a real family? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i right. did love her like toss off when it's all kind of going sideways and she kind of says to herself i love improv and she gets to play with protocol three a new light we got to see a new light this week paul were you excited
0: <laughs> yeah well i i actually liked the whole bit Cyrus was kind of serenoing the entire fake bridge crew you know, I know that it was not a gag that could get could actually work or actually work for very long. But for what it was, with like the French girl, no, me or whatever her her bit right. was, I I kind of I, I did like all all of that.
1: Uh, yeah, I did too. Again, the, these little bit, I I thought this week improved on tossing the comedy football around more, uh, and I, I think this is a good example of that. It didn't have to rely on just the matisms, which I think were still a strong point. Even even like you know Hugh Laurie, I think had more breathing room to be funny this week than he's had. And I think that does well for him and for the show when you give him a little more room to breathe and, and and really let his jokes land. But everyone got like little shots in, you know, like Spike Martin got in, you know, oh he never could, you know, I have purely muscular follicles. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you have Sarah on the bridge with uh, oh I love I love improv and yeah, yeah. And even Cyrus, right, with the yelling at them about you know talking out of turn kind of thing when he's doing the Sereno de Bergenek. Uh No, I, I think I think this was this is a better roadmap for the show to go.
0: Well, I hope they follow this pattern in the future: dialing back Karen, dialing up Matt, giving Ryan some some room to be funny enough. I, I could probably still use more funny Billy and more Iris. Iris was brought up a little bit from last week, maybe even quite a bit from last week. Cause last week was almost nothing, but they didn't really develop her all that much. We just know that she's starting to crack a little bit, right? She's, she's really where she was a complete toady in the first couple of weeks this week. She's a little more willing to, I don't know if we're supposed to understand that what she is saying back to Judd is not being heard by Judd. It's just really for us or what, right. but she's still saying it like the, uh, the bit about anyone, uh, bad-mouthing the cruise should be blacklisted from future cruises and she's like i don't think they'd have a problem with that <laughs> <laughs> right
1: right yeah i feel like i feel like I, I agree i think i think you're right i think Judd's just not hearing those lines i don't think that she's whispering them i think judd is just an example of Judd. so is into himself uh he doesn't hear anything unless it's what he thinks he's gonna want to hear you know he doesn't I understand hear criticism. that I, yeah.
0: I think I I think I know and work with people like that.
1: Yeah. Judd, as it turns out, is actually a pretty accessible archetype uh for a lot of people, I think, with you know, certain horrible bosses and coworkers. I I don't think Judd is a unique creature in the universe. So
0: <laughs>
1: Because you brought up Iris and, you know, they, they brought her up a little bit, but still not a lot of screen time. I thought we were gonna get a lot more from her after the second episode where it was really focused on her. I think I, I, I almost feel like it's it's yeah. weird that we haven't gotten so much more of her. But the other person we haven't really gotten a lot of was, you know, Rav, back down on Mission Control. Another kind of wasted week with her and her little gang of misfits down on Mission Control. You know, I feel like this episode was pretty much just her figuring out that the guy who's rambling off space uh, law uh, quotations was an actor. And that was pretty much it. Would you like more Mission Control or you're happy with what we're getting from Rav?
0: Well, A i was interested to see how rav figured into the doug and mia thing a little bit more and it's we did
1: get some information on that that's true doug
0: has made a move on rav now we do not know whether or not rav appreciated that or reacted that he
1: accidentally kissed her neck
0: (laughs) yes yes did not have full sex
1: no Um, not that not not that you've ever had full sex (laughs) right They were funnier, Paul. They were funnier this week because there was less of them.
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The mission control bits, they were funny. I don't know that that you could do like a second bit just like that exactly because it made its point right away. But they were kind of out of control out of that whole thing. Somehow Judd and Iris are still influencing the Judd organization on Earth without needing to go through mission control to do it, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, Iris definitely seems to have... Yes, uh, communication paths that do not run through mission control, you know, because they did, they were able to go hire their actors. Though it seemed like that other woman whose name I did not catch, she knew that they were actors and that Rav was really just catching up. So yeah, I don't know that so much that mission control is out of the loop as it seems that Rav is out of the loop. It seems that Rav is being excluded from the decision tree, which is, you know, maybe potentially dangerous, but maybe it's not her f- and maybe it's not her field, kind of like a uh, towel. Animals on the beds.
0: Ah, right. Maybe, exactly. Maybe not,
1: Actors Actors at the vigil. Not at her the area. Uh, there was a really funny gag, though, when the guy is on the TV screen, the vigil guy. Did you catch one of the signs behind him,
0: what it said? I laughed. Now I don't remember what it was. What was it?
1: It just said. This is fucked up, and right because it's just it's just a funny visual gag. No one, no TV station would ever let a guy with a sign that said "This is fucked up" be on TV behind him, but this show would, and I found it really funny. It made me laugh. It was just another the visual gags this week really sold it for me.
0: So. Or the very beginning, like the uh, the bar for standards and practices on TV in the future must has slid down to to existence because. If you recall, that uh, talking head guy was recounting that the Avenue Five was still lost in space, and and he said something like, "and thank fuck I'm not on that ship" or or something like that.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, but when you have Billy McFarland, formerly a fire festival and prison, running the FBI, you know, you can imagine. That I think that's probably a good cue on where standards and ethics and practices are probably on television. Good that's call. <laughs> good
0: call. That's yeah. a good guidepost for how to think about that.
1: Yeah, so before before I think we wrap up today, I just want you all to remember that there's a rupture in the turd shield, and we have that audio clip here.
0: There's a rupture in the
1: turd shield. Because that is just the funniest line you get to see on TV. If you're an actor and actress, that's gotta be one of the funniest things you ever get to say in any role. There's a there's a rupture in the turd
0: shield. Do you suppose there's there's a moment, perhaps, where someone who has taken their acting career maybe at a certain seriousness level where they have seen the script to the pilot, they want to work, so they take the job. But then four episodes in, they have to say there's a rupture in in the turn shield. And they have a little crisis of... Can they do that as an actor? Can they lower themselves to the kind of the base humor or or is it just a matter of professionalism? They were hired to do a job and they have to do it.
1: I imagine it's the latter, probably with a lot of alcohol support. <laughs> I, I mean, you listen you, you listen to the stories about like Alec Guinness and uh, his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars and the uh, f- uh, notes he would send the friends and like the diary entries he would leave behind yeah. about just what hot steaming turd shit. <laughs> the script was and how dumb it was and how miserable he was that he loved all of the actors he thought they were all great kids but that he felt like this was just the end of an otherwise spectacular career and he was going down in like a ball of flames and hated every minute of it <laughs> and, and you know but he was a professional and he was getting his paycheck so he was going to luke <laughs> right you know find yoda on dagobah
0: That <laughs> is all you know. accurate
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, a, it's an encapsulation of a true story, kids.
1: I'm a professional, damn it. I don't know, but we have uh how many more episodes? This was episode 6, so we have four more. Oh episodes no,
0: this was episode 4, my friend.
1: Oh, that's right. Oh my god. Is Oh my god, it just feels like 6.
0: It kind of does. <laughs>
1: So I, I guess, I mean, I feel like every week we, we always talk about predictions and where do we think we're going to go from here? Yeah, are you feeling good about predictions?
0: Well, I think he is going, I don't think my idea of him not, not fixing the thing on camera is going to come to pass. It was just one of those things like I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Uh, but I think they're going to show him out there. I think it's going to be pretty gross.
1: Oh yeah. He's going to be definitely covered in shit.
0: Yeah. But it will be uh attention filled few moments, but I think he'll Somehow, I don't know what he's gonna do, probably put some sort of cover over the leak and weld it down, or something like that. I, I have no idea.
1: Can you imagine what heated shit must even in space must smell like shit being covering you is one thing, and then you're gonna go weld it and heat it up uh to get it to like solidify or you know coagulate God that is that is not a job I envy uh but to speak to your earlier point, though, do you think you Lori, ever you know imagined? with his, his austere career, that he would be playing in CGI shit one day.
0: No, so, no. Actually, no. <laughs> um, uh, at a former role I've had in my professional life, we, as a training group, were making use of a video starring Hugh Laurie. It was just an acting gig that he had very early on in his career talking about... Uh shit I don't even remember it was it was basically about like controlling errors or something I don't know it was very esoteric sort of sort of topic that wouldn't be really something general consumption would would be interested in but it had Hugh Laurie in it so it was uh something that people were kind of interested to watch just to see him so having known that he comes from such quaint <laughs> beginnings as corporate video in some ways, I think the, being the savior of the turd shield is, is, uh, is just another feather in his, in his growing cap.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess he'll probably be able to add to his, his CV that he knows how to do simulated spacewalks. There you go. He, he's familiar with turd shields in sci-fi. I mean, this is really good for his sci-fi bona fides. If the Orville needs a guest star in an upcoming season... You know, this will give him latitude. Uh, Good thinking. You know, to, he can ricochet off of his Avenue 5 skill set that he has earned. Uh, I looked it up. This is actually up, you're right, this episode 4, even it does, it feels like 6, but uh, of 8. So we're actually at the halfway point for the season. Aha. So I, I think we do begin. We have to probably start thinking that we're going to start turning towards whatever the season ending is. Game is. We're probably gonna have to start pivoting towards. Now, if that, this
0: were so. more Star Trekky, then I believe that the loss of the vintage shit would be a problem. In that they would need to, they would come up with a new calculation that would say we're still, we still take three and a half years to get home, but we only have two and a half years of turd shield or something like that. You know, unless we get, mm. unless we get people shitting more, or, <laughs> or, right? Or something.
1: That was actually where I was gonna go. I was going to say that there's going to be an episode where they're encouraging, giving everyone like digestive. They're serving like undercooked food or something, something to generate an increase in the turd shield production. Mm. That seems like this kind of shows humor. That's it. You know, yeah. Matt Matt organizing a uh, shitathon or something like that.
0: That so. that feels in character. Now that we've now that we've seen where the show is going to go with uh, turd shield type type stuff, the idea of a, a marathon shitting coordinated by the crew feels correct
1: it does it feels it definitely feels right i think part of next week's uh uh, uh, shit walk um i think it's going to involve this is where i think the show is going to go i think i think he's going to fix the church shield but i think it's going to involve billy like being there for him and i think this is going to lead to a some kind of on ship romance between the two of them which would then explain why they went through the point of showing us last week that he is in a thruple back on Earth is because there is going to be a romantic entanglement with Billy. Because I feel like they were they were really laying the traps that she finds him much funnier than anyone else on the ship finds him. Uh, the pleading with him at the end uh, to find her on the comms and she'll help him. The laughing, all of that kind of stuff. I feel like they were really pressing the gas pedal down on Billy likes this guy. And she's going to be there in a moment when he needs her. And he will substitute that for liking her as well. I think that is definitely where the show is going to head. So,
0: Good theory. Prediction. Good theory.
1: That is my bold TV trope prediction.
0: I can wait to find out more. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Whether you can or cannot, sir, next Sunday we will be back here again talking about it. All right. It is inevitable.
0: Well, this has been uh, Paul from Daily Review. This is Mike from Pop Culture Review. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. clubhouse.